Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Uh, I, I teach people to do impossible things by consciously managing their unconscious mind. Okay. Pretty close to 100% success rate. Wow. Um, well, I mean, walk us through. I mean, who was a who was a young steward uh, growing up? Was he into mindset? No, a young steward growing up had Asperger's syndrome and couldn't connect with anyone at all. Oh, um, it was a very lonely existence, and I thought I was probably the world's dumbest person. Hmm. What? So what happened? What happened? Well, I struggled along. I got into my tea. I made my way through it through somehow. Um, and then I tried to emulate my father's hero, a guy named Jerry Woman, who built the John Hancock building in Chicago, owned the Philadelphia Eagles and so on. I went into real estate. And I went into a big, I had four projects spread out over 50 miles. One of them and a planned city that's now Gaithersburg, Maryland. And, um, <clears throat> well, how can I say it? I was dumb, didn't have the personality for it, didn't have the knowledge. I knew nothing about cycles of real estate. It crashed. I went bankrupt. Wow. Nothing like seeing your family thrown out their house. Um, and I was pretty depressed. I committed suicide, which wasn't really that. I was trying to get back to God. And I, in fact, met God, got reinvigorated, came back. And a year and a half later, I made one phone call and got two and a million dollars starting a venture. How, how did well, let's rewind a little bit? You said you felt that you weren't you were dumb, and I guess in your words, and you had four projects going, real estate projects going at the time. How were you getting the investing? How are you even putting the projects together? if you didn't have the capacity at that time? Um, by trick and, and I had a real estate, an attorney who said, oh, I'll just hold your deposit checks on these uh, properties in my top drawer, hmm. which was absolutely illegal, but I didn't know that. Um, and so I was buying property, and then I was leveraging that to get construction loans and uh, so forth. It was a house of cards. And when the cards fall, you basically said you got evicted, lost everything at that time? Yep. The hardest part was telling my investors, sorry. I mean, your money's gone. 
when you commit suicide, what what happened there, and, and what what route did you go? My father was a doctor, and he had given me a lot of pills, and so I just chucked them all, and um, I was at a gas station uh, on the way to one of my projects, and. I chucked them. I drove unconsciously there. They found me there. They left me in a helicopter to Baltimore. And um, I woke up in the ICU after having experience with God. Basically, the other side is really nice if there's hmm. a hell, it's here. And um, I decided to come back to do what I had agreed to do this lifetime. I came back uh, and I was just really changed inside on the inner level. Um, I was much more connected to myself. The Asperger's syndrome had largely disappeared. I could connect with people. I was psychically adept and it was uh, six months later that I um, carried the two and a half million bucks and started a company called Recognition Terminals that eventually sold the company that invested in it. Um, it was an artificial intelligence venture. And um, what else can I tell you, Benny? Yeah, so, I mean, okay, you lost a lot of your investors' money in the real estate aspect of it then you look to kill yourself how long after you come back um do you make you say you make one phone call to get another investment how long from that time frame are we kind of looking well um you know i came out of the hospital and i realized i have to do something to earn money because i had a family so i turned in a uh, resume to an agent and through a series of misinterpretations, uh, they hired me. Um, I later found out about the misinterpretations, but turned to be turned out to be really good. Uh, it was a guy who had the most patents at the time, most useful patents in the world. Learned a lot from Jack Rabinow, and he was making artificial intelligence things, uh, reading machines. You remember the old airline tickets that had the red on the back? Yeah, and you swipe them? Uh, well, this machine could read them. See, the airlines couldn't take the tickets into revenue mm. until they had proved they had been used. So this machine read those, read the characters, converted them into computer code at the rate of thousands a minute. And um, that was Jack's project. Jack Ramanow, the inventor. He had just sold his company to control data. And I came in shortly after that, which 
was about a year after the suicide attempt. Um, and I looked around, here are these machines that cost anywhere from 300000 to $5 million bucks. And I said, there has to be a cheaper way of doing it. I invented it, put together a team and from within the company and uh, sat down and name popped into my mind. I called him on a Saturday, he's running a public company and got through, talked to him 15 minutes. He said, stay there for an hour, I'll have my executive VP call you. Got the call and three days later I had the money. Yeah. You, when you first got in, and, and I know I'm kind of going back, I'm just trying to get the full picture for our people listening, is for the real estate venture, your, the person that kind of gave you the guidance was an attorney. Later well, on. He oh. didn't really need the guidance. He just gave me a An mechanism. Okay. Um. Nobody gave me guidance. Okay. See, it was see, all I'd see to my pants. You still had someone in your corner, right? That was gave you a mechanism to get the properties. And then for the investment avenue, you find another, I guess, well-known uh, individual that's already kind of put together a variety of different patterns. So it sounds like even though you said that you're dumb at that time, you're still putting yourself around people that would allow you the avenue to expand and grow. Was that conscious or is it unconscious? Well, <clears throat> it was really unconscious. I couldn't relate to people very well. Okay. And I just had a series of quotes, lucky events of meeting people who would, um, invest because the projects were on the face of them good mm. they weren't investing in me they were investing in the project and you then you sell that company and have a it sounds like a probably pretty good exit now no no that company went belly up when i went bankrupt went belly oh. up i okay. went bankrupt and I was done with real estate. So I got a job working in artificial intelligence for controlled data with a guy named Jack Rabinow. Okay. I learned to program computers and machine language. Uh, I programmed a machine there and I got friendly with the brainy guys there. And I said, hey, you know, we ought to be able to come up with a cheaper version of this, cost 10%. And in fact, we did. Then and what happens next after that? Next, after next, I'm sitting there saying, I need two and a half million bucks to do this venture. Hmm. So on Saturday, I sat down. I turned down the lights, got in a comfortable chair, and 
I looked in my mind's eye for who would give me the two and a half million bucks. Mm. Now, when I was in MIT, I met venture capitalists. In fact, when I was at MIT was when the very first venture capitalists in the world were formed. And I mm. met them. <clears throat> and one of them told me very wisely, the most important thing a venture capitalist gives its investor, investees, is not money, it's contacts. Mm. And so I was always on my toes looking for contacts. So it goes real estate, failure, got a job working on Jack Rabinow, spun out of venture firm control data, two and a half million bucks in three days. A year and a half later, the investor company bought my team out and I was on to other things. What were those other things? Well, <clears throat> I was sitting around in my basement where I had an office at home and I said, what am I going to do? And uh, I said, I'm going to meet somebody who's giving me an offer. That evening, we had some of my wife's friends over for dinner. And one of them said, just got a big basic ordering contract from the government to provide um, consulting to minorities in building companies. Hmm. And he said, you want a job? I said, how much you pay me? 250 bucks a day. I said, sure, it sounds interesting. So I started doing that. And I think the first project was in South Bronx, Fort, Fort Apache. Um, and we took companies that were successful but their founders were retiring and because of the nature of the area, none of their kids want to take over the companies. So we bought the companies from them and I converted drug dealers into mainstream entrepreneurs. Hmm. And we did very well. It was a little scary going up, the only white guy in a, a, a subway train of what looked to me like fierce people. And, uh, but I just surrounded myself with ball of white light, nobody bothered me. Um, did that for a while and um, quite successful. I was very pleased being able to take people that um, other people thought were the throwaways of the world, like a built company in Roanoke, Virginia, with never employed welfare mothers. And after its first year, it got three awards for the best supplier for major corporations. Um, I enjoyed helping people who had some version of 
my experience in not being able to relate to the world and teaching them how. Hmm. And um, I went from there Well, that's a little spooky. Um, when I had my near-death experience, I met God. It's a classic near-death experience. I given a choice coming back or not. And I had a big job to do, so I came back. I met a spiritual teacher who had been present in that near-death experience and glommed onto him started meditating two hours a day. After about four or five years, I was in my home in San Francisco and meditating, and I got big packets of stuff for the instruction. Write this down. So you remember those legal paths, about that thick, thin mm -hmm. line? I filled up in five days three of those. And that was the basis of my cybernetic transposition process of teaching people to consciously manage their unconscious mind to do seemingly impossible things. Being an entrepreneur, I got this stuff in a spooky fashion. And a month later, I had a training with 250 people. And of those 250 people, each selected a, um, <clears throat> an objective they thought was impossible, and 67% of them achieved them. Not great, but 67% first try isn't that bad. I started doing that with groups, and then um, one of my friends in England said, I just went to the House of Commons and heard Margaret Thatcher talking about turning around the British economy. And I said, I know how to do that. So I wrote her a one and a half page letter. And two weeks later, I had a contract to turn around the biggest company in England at the time, British Leyland. They used to make Jaguars. Rover and so on. Um, and using these techniques, I kept getting more and more sophisticated techniques from spirit. And um, the Leninist labor unions out during the Cold War were trying to destroy the British economy by tubing this company through. Leninist. I don't know whether you know about Lenin as opposed to Stalin. Stalin was a pussycat compared to Lenin. <laughs> and Lenin, if you, Lenin knew you, you were on a list at 10 categories. If you're in category nine or 10, immediately you're assassinated. That kind of a list. Okay, so in six months, using my techniques, the British Leyland had caused the rank and file to eject the Lenin's labor union leaders and put one to end at work. Mm. 
problem solved. British Leyland was on its way to getting back on its feet. <clears throat> I then went from that to projects around the world. Um, bootstrapping all the time, I would set an unconscious objective to meet people on my airplane flights. And I'd sit next to a guy and you'd get into these conversations, you know, what do you do? What do you do? They'd ask me, I'd say, I do, I help people achieve seemingly impossible things. What seems impossible in your company? So I'd be sitting next to chairman, vice chairman, presidents and so on. And very often I'd leave the airplane with a contract for half a million to $2 million. Um, my prior clients were very nice acting as reference for me and the results produced more people. So pretty soon I was up from 250 bucks a day to 25,000 and 50,000 a day. So the way you were growing your consulting business um, was strictly from, or mostly from flights, taking flights from one location to the next? Oh, I eventually ended up flying around the world once a month, which <laughs> is no picnic. And since my clients are paying for me to be in first, I was sitting with CEOs and people like that. <clears throat> it was kind of funny. I'd set up unconsciously for a client to show up next to me and I'd see somebody moving from this seat to that seat to that seat and sitting down next to me. I knew I had a picture. And <clears throat> it's all very easy. And that's what I teach. Uh, I say easy is good when what you consciously work, want is aligned with what your unconscious is preparing to do, it's easy. And so that, what can I say? How do you think your younger self, the one that was into real estate um, development would have taken your teachings at that time? Oh, it would have been really helpful. What was happening was I was unconsciously using part of it. After the near-death experience, I came back different. I was different. I was connected to God. I was connected to my unconscious. I could connect with people. It was like during the near-death experience, somebody took a big switch and went black and turned on my abilities. And suddenly I was able to use what I knew and I would invent on the spot. A client would say, well, or a potential client would say, well, you know, we're having real trouble with sales. And so on the spot, I came up with the basics of a technique that eventually allowed companies to multiply their sales by three to eight times in a year. 
the multiplier companies sell three to eight times a year. They think paying $25,000, $50,000 a day is a real bargain. And <clears throat> I also said to them, if they're skeptical about paying me that, I said to them, hey, I'll do it for 20% of the added marginal contribution. Marginal contribution is the cost of sales deducted from selling price. So it had not, it was just the raw income. And a few of them actually took me up on that. I gave them a month to kick out, go to the fixed price. But the ones who did end up paying me about 150000 a day uh, because the results were so great. Um, I took a division of Ericsson that they're about to turn out of, put out of business. Ericsson's the largest manufacturer of telephone switches that connect the caller with the callee by telephone. And the largest in the world. They have division. They're about to do because it just was unprofitable. Turned it around in three months. That's my That was my business. Then I had another one of my things. I one day I'm in London, getting ready to go to Stockholm. I come down to check out, and I must faint. It felt like I had food poisoning. But being me, I didn't go to a doctor. I just pushed on, got on the flight. By the time we got to Stockholm, I couldn't get off the plane. They had to wheel me off. Hmm. Doctor said to me, oh, you have the Sri Lankan curse. I said, what's that? They said, it's something new. You're the sixth case. And we don't know what it is. We don't know how to heal it, but it is pretty nasty. I made it back to the US and for the next 18 months, I was told by doctors, we don't know what it is, but you're dying. I couldn't even walk 10 feet by myself. And some friends in my spiritual group, one day I was living in Santa Barbara, came and said, hey, there's a Filipino psychic surgeon in town. I said, that's bullshit. And he, they said, you're going. I said, no, they, I'm so weak. They just picked me up by my elbows, put me in the car, took me. <clears throat> and I met this very pleasant gentleman. He's staying in somebody's house. He quoted some verses from the Bible, which is not my stuff. And um, he said, let's go in the kitchen. We went in the kitchen. There was a pot of oil boiling on the stove. He sticks his hand into it, blows on it, tells me to take off my shirt, rubs the oil on my chest. And what I literally saw was he put my hand, his hand, in through my chest wall, into my innards, meaning it appeared, his hand just disappeared into my body. He pulls it out and takes a metal ball, throws something into it, splat. 
I did that a few times. He said, come back tomorrow. I did that for three days. I was healed completely, 100%. I have no idea how he did it, but uh, I have had times in my life when logic would say this is crazy, and I went ahead anyway like this one. And if you get a gift from God, take it. And this is a gift from God. So I was back full steam. But I decided not to do this around the world traveling anymore. It's really wears your body down. I did it for 10 years around the world once a month. And um, so I decided I'd write a book about what I'd been teaching. And I incidentally quote ran into people like Joe Vitale and other people who had large list and they agreed to promote the book for a good share of the profits and suddenly I had sold 30, 40, 50,000 copies at 97 bucks a piece and then some of these people said hey why don't you do a training and teach you this stuff so in a month I put together a training and called the Super Achiever Coaching Program. And out of the box, people were getting 80% first try success rate doing seemingly impossible. I kept doing that. After 10 years, it was 100%. And it's held there since then. The um, Being that you've had some experiences where um you've talked about the idea that i mean people would say impossible some people you know, are listening and they probably don't believe it where you have the the near death and you're dead for a couple of moments where you had that uh physician basically pulling something out of your chest being that you see in your eyes basically impossible things how do you do you keep an open mind now when someone brings up an idea to you that might seem impossible to you today uh, when you're talking to them? Or how does that, how do you react when someone propositions you with uh, an idea that just seems very outlandish? Well, I don't really work that way. See, <clears throat> what I was given, excuse me, I keep getting these reminders. Um, what, um, I was given by spirit, uh, I call it cybernetic transposition, um, really consists of three major steps. And if you do the three major steps, you can do almost literally anything. Never tried levitating, but, and the odds of winning the lottery are too great, like 280, 300 million to one. But if we talk about normal seemingly impossible thing like getting 600,000 bucks out of the blue. Um, there are three steps. Number one is coming up with a target that is appropriate for your conscious and unconscious mind. That means consciously it makes sense. Yeah, this is right. This is what I want. And unconsciously, it just feels right. It feels 
natural right. This is a path for me. That's the first step. Second step, because the unconscious, which does all the doing, is constantly doing millions of things, keeping your body working, among others. It, um, you have to get what you want, your objective prioritized. So it gets to the top of the stack. So I have a system for that. The third thing is that you have to clear out of the way the unconscious roadblocks that would stop you. I call them blockers. They're self-defeating unconscious habit patterns. Let me give you an example that most people have had. You get a book, you think it really has value, you start reading it and you fall asleep. That's a self-defeating unconscious habit pattern, falling asleep when you want to be reading the book. Or um, you are going to have an opportunity to dress a whole lot of people and you get up there on the stage and you just blow it. That's another self-defeating unconscious habit pattern. So I have techniques to rapidly permanently change these self-defeating unconscious habit patterns into success patterns. Hmm. So let's say um, every time you meet a girl that you're really attracted to, you become tongue-tied and you blow it. Um, you can go into your unconscious and you can change the way you unconsciously really react to the stimulus of meeting a girl you really like into very suavely and effectively and humorously interacted with her to make a great impression. And it takes about half an hour to do that. And henceforth, every time you meet a girl that you're attracted to, you will perform in the way I just described. You make a good impression, you communicate, and so on. Does that make sense? No, no, definitely. I mean, you're you're rewiring. I mean, your your brain on a unconscious level. I, I fully understand. Um, thank you so much, Stuart, for for being here today on the Road to Growth podcast. If someone's listening, and those ideas relate to them because they feel their unconscious stopping them, kind of expand and grow. What's the best way than getting more information about your books, about your classes? What's the best way? Well, my book, uh, they can go to www dot anything dash fast dot com and I talk all about the book and there's a video and so on um, if they want to go deeper and get into my coaching program I call it the 100% success rate coaching program um, they Oh my gosh, I just forgot the URL. It'll come back in a minute. If they are, want to go the direction of, of becoming a super entrepreneur, um, I have a program for that. 
which is um, super-entrepreneur.net. And and oh. I have the other URL, but if they go to my, I guess my homepage, stuartlickman.com, S-T-U-A-R-T-L-I-C-H-T-M-A-N.com, they'll find a lot of wisdom, they'll find some free eBooks, and they'll find links to my other programs. Well, Thank you, Stuart, so much uh, for being on the podcast. If you go in the show notes, you'll find all of Stuart's information. I mean, I think there's probably, I mean, a lot of uh, key takeaways uh, from this. I mean, the tenacity that you fail once, uh, get back up and kind of do it again, be around the right people and have that mindset to know what you want and know where you want to be. Um, even the simplest idea, and I know you're going to get a deeper dive when you go to get Stuart's book and, and kind of work with your unconscious mind, but the simple idea of being okay to talk about what you're willing to offer. I mean, I know in the real estate field, there's a lot of people that are really smart in the real estate field, yet they're always afraid to actually have the conversation about what they do and who they are. Uh, so just being okay with who you are and be confident in who you are. Thank you, Stuart, for being here. Everyone, please go in the show notes. Go find Stuart and please subscribe to the podcast. Bye, everyone. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.